Well, good morning, everyone. Am I on here? Yes. Uh, my name is Clay, and my wife, Danielle, is here. She's in the back in the nursery with our one-year-old. And then we have four children. Um, Eloise is 11. Emery is nine. Ezzy is seven. And then the baby, Eddie, is one. Uh, we are missionaries in London. We've been there for about five years. And uh, we had the privilege of partnering with you guys as missionaries, uh, even though we had never visited, you know, a couple years ago, I think maybe two, two and a half years ago, you guys partnered with us. And so we have been looking forward to this time where, where we could come and meet you face to face and say thank you. And let's just start with that. If you have your Bible, uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter one. I just want to point one thing out to you here as a... Uh, I am moved when I read these words of Paul, and I want to share them with you. If you have Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always, in every prayer of mine, for you all, making request with joy. Then verse 5 says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So Paul is a missionary. He travels preaching, teaching, planting churches, discipling people. But he has a special relationship with this church that he planted in Philippi. Why? Because they partnered with him. They, uh, what it says in verse 5, their fellowship in the gospel, their partnership in the gospel, their cooperation, sharing in the gospel work with Paul from the first day until now. So Paul looks at this church and he thanks the Lord every time he thinks of that church because they partnered with him in the gospel, that they supported him financially, that they supported him in prayer, that they were team, team members together for the gospel ministry. And uh, I thank the Lord for you all and for your partnership in the gospel with us. It, is our, it has been our burden to go to England and to go to London and to share the gospel there and to see people saved by uh, the grace of Jesus and see them discipled and added to the church. And you all have a share in that. You partnered with us. And so we are very thankful for you all. And so uh, I just want to start off by saying that, that we are encouraged by you and thankful for you. But I wanted to share with you what we do in London and I thought maybe a interesting slash fun way to do that was to start with a very British thing. And we'll start with a quiz. Is that okay? It'll be uh, interactive. See how much you know about the UK. You know, I, not, these are not, these, these questions I just pulled off of Google or I, I came up with myself. There's, there's no agenda or anything behind these. They're just kind of fun questions, okay? So uh, we're just going to do a few questions and then hopefully it will work here. Now we might have to. Let me try and just see if I reconnect it. Okay. It'll work there. Okay. So easy question, number one. What is the London public transport system called? What was it? The tube. Good job. Well done. All right. So give you. I'm not going to grade you. So you have to 
You have to keep your own score. But there are ten questions. Too far away, I think. Okay, how many lines are there? Do we have a guess? Okay, more than seven, more than ten. So not much more. Okay, twelve. We'll go with twelve. Eleven or twelve. Uh, this is, I put this one up here because for us, where we lived in London, it was significant because, well, you have these lines, the Bakerloo, Central, Circle, District, Hammersmith and City, Jubilee, Metropolitan, Northern, Piccadilly, Waterloo, and uh, Waterloo and City. Uh, so, Victoria and Waterloo and City. But this one just came on. It came on this past May. Uh, the Elizabeth line for the Queen. Um, but this was significant because it was the first line that went all the way across London. So you go from one side of London, West London, all the way across to East London, and they say like 30, 35 minutes. They opened it, but they only opened part of it because it's way overdue and over budget as these things go. But uh, it, it's, it, when, it, when it's completely finished, it'll be tremendous. It'll be good. Number three. Six of which kind of animal are kept in this building? Can you guys see that? Am I in the way? So do, do we know what building this is? Tower of London. Okay, good. Who has been to London? Okay, great. Some of you, great. All right, so I think I heard it. What, what, what animal is it? No, it's not lions. They did have lions at one point. They actually had a polar bear, lions, and an elephant that stayed here. They had like a little zoo at one point in it, but not now. It is, uh, there we go, R ravens, ravens. There's some, some weird part of history that the yeomen keep them there. There are six ravens that are kept there, so that's kind of fun. Okay, about how many languages are spoken in London? I'll give you four choices. So we have 75, 105, 200, 300. Who's, who says 75? 105? Okay, good. 200? 300? It is 300. It's actually more than 300. So if you said D, you're, you're closest there. And as I remarked earlier, I speak one of them. Uh, <laughs> And some would say not very well. Okay. Uh, all right. So these next few questions are, you have to choose, does it come from our Bible or does it come from the bard, Shakespeare? Because I, I put these up here because these two uh, the, the, are scriptures and Shakespeare have had an outsized, lasting influence in shaping English thought and culture and vocabulary still. And so they are often referred to. So I, here, here's some questions for you. This is going to be irritating. Yeah, you might just have to sit and you just have to hit the arrow keys for me. Thank you, Jeff. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, so there you go. Okay. Thy brother's blood the thirsty earth hath drunk. All right, so who says Bible? Who says Shakespeare? Okay. You can hit it. It's Shakespeare. But they're trying to trick you, aren't they? You know, they're, they're, they're trying to get you. We know where he would have got it from. 
Okay, very good. Number six. For even the man of my peace in whom I trusted who ate my bread lifted up his heel against me. Bible. Anyone say Shakespeare? Okay. Oh, too far. Go, go back. Go back. Uh, oh, you get a freebie. That's okay. That's okay. So, yeah, so this is Psalm 41.9, speaking of Judas who is coming. Okay, and then the next one, if you get this one wrong, okay, it is a Bible, Romans 3.4. Okay, and the last one, neither a borrower nor a lender be. All right, who says Bible? Shakespeare? Okay, we're divided. We don't, we're not sure. Okay, it is Shakespeare. Okay, very good. Number nine. A little more serious here. What percentage of people attend church, any church, on a Sunday? So we have 22%, 33%, 13%, or 5%. It is less than 5%. Any type of church. So if, if you consider a Catholic church or Church of Latter-day Saints, any type of church in the UK is less than 5% that will attend on any given Sunday. Okay, last, or, yeah, last question. Uh, hit it. You have to hit it. Or maybe again. Okay, here we go. Which is the fastest growing worldview? This was just updated, okay? So Hinduism, Christianity, Islam, or none slash no religion. Okay, so we say Islam. So you have to hit it each time for each answer. So one, two, three, and then four. So this is the findings of the 2021 census, if you can see here, that Hinduism is increasing slowly. Islam is increasing also slowly. Uh, Christianity is decreasing drastically to where now it is a minority view, but the secular worldview that there is no God, there is no right and wrong, it's all up to the individual. Personal autonomy is growing at an ex exponential rate. So it is the, the majority of the people in the UK will identify with that. And so I, I, I bring that up there because we still encounter folks who say, you know, why would you ever want to go to England? be a missionary. Aren't there lots of churches there? And there are. There are churches there. Most of them are, are empty or nearly empty, or the congregation is at the point now where uh, they're starting to, to fade off the scene. Um, and there's a great need. There's a great need to go with the gospel back to England to plant churches. And England, especially London, is such an opportunity where you have people from all over the world, 300 different languages that are gathered there, all over the world, that are gathered there, that want, to, that want to learn new things, that are open to new things, and you have the opportunity to reach them, which we have been able to do by the, by the Lord's grace over the past few years. Um, you know, places that you couldn't go. Iran. You can't go as a missionary to Iran. But there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Irani, Iranians in London uh, that are waiting to be reached and, and that they are looking are open to hearing the gospel. So we, uh, let's see, you have to help me again. This is us, our, our family. Uh, I mentioned, introduced us before. We've been in London for five years. Okay, you hit the button, sorry. We are missionaries with the Gospel Fellowship Association. This is a uh, mission board, a small mission board out of Greenville, South Carolina. 
And I point that out because this next slide will show you that this is what we focus on. Uh, as missionaries with the Gospel Fellowship Association, we focus on the Gospel and specifically the Great Commission. There, we have encountered lots of different other missionaries over the years that do different things. I'm not saying those things are wrong. Uh, they may do clean water, or they may do orphanages, or they may do medical missions. And all those things are good, and, and they have their place. What we focus on, what our primary goal is with missionaries, with the Gospel Fellowship Association, it is planting churches. It is working with this great commission cycle. And let me, let me explain how it works here. We have a church like this, like this, that is established, that loves the Lord, that loves His Word, that wants to see the gospel go out in this community and across the world. And what they do is they partner with missionaries that go across the world and they passionately evangelize. They go to a place, whether it be in London or in India or in Papua New Guinea or you name it, what they do, the first thing that they do there is they share the gospel with unbelievers there to see them hear the good news of Jesus Christ and then to become Christians, to convert. And then intentionally, intentionally disciple those uh, new believers. This might be uh, through Bible studies, through mentoring them, through adding them to a church, or if there's not a, a good church in the area, it might, be, might mean planting a church. And then mentoring or developing leaders here, the, the third step, where you are identifying men and, and women in that it, those who have become believers, to, to develop them into leadership and to start training men for the pastoral ministry. And then finally, that the, you work with that church until it is indigenous, meaning that it's not dependent any, any further on the missionary, the missionary's finances, the missionary's leadership, but that the church becomes completely autonomous, where it can stand on its own, and now it is, it is up here, and it's now it's ready to send out missionaries. So this is what we have been focusing on. I just really wanted to share with you, uh, next few minutes here, how the Lord has allowed us to do this in London with a special attention given to the relationships that we have been able to create in the folks there. So this next slide will show you a little bit about where we are. So those of you who have been to London, yeah, let me see your hands. There you go. Okay, so you probably went right here. That's Heathrow. That's probably where you landed. And we lived right above Heathrow in, in Hayes, Hayes and Uxbridge, right here. And so we uh, went there in January of 2018. And you'll see, I think, our first house that we stayed in, or no, church. We worked with Salem Baptist Church here. I'll talk a bit more about that in a moment. But this is our first uh, home, just a little family segment first. Uh, small house, bungalow type setup, where about 850 square feet. We had three and then four children here, and very close to your neighbors. So you see there's about five feet in between the houses there. So you really get to know your neighbors, whether you like to or not. So, okay, next one. Uh, we had, the Lord blessed us really with a, a, a great back garden, where this is pretty large uh, for London, where we could go out and we could play with the neighbors. The neighbors, we really got to know them and love them. They had three children about the same age as ours, and so... They were always on this side of the fence, and our kids were always on that side of the fence. But it was a, a real blessing there. Okay? Bedrooms are small, so we had to put all the children in a triple bunk bed, is where they, where they slept for many years. 
There's our ministry vehicle. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> uh, that, is, uh, that was parked in the church parking lot one day, and I just had to snap a picture of it. So, uh, no, this is our ministry vehicle. <laughs> it looked like a mini, mini van. And uh, the Lord allowed us to have that, and it was really a blessing for several years. But we just had to get something a little bit larger uh, with our ministry needs. So, uh, and we, the children went to school. We were part of a local Church of England school which has a Christian ethos, uh, meaning that they allow the Bible to be shared in class and that they will have chapel from time to time. And so we were able to really take part. And Danielle and I, as we were praying about what to do regarding school, uh, we said, this is what we want to do, and we're going to jump in as much as we can. And so you'll see in the next slide that she worked there for two years. This is a pajama day um, that they're getting ready for school. And I was there uh, as a governor, kind of like a school board member, where I had a lot of influence in the school. And this really was the first place that we could really start to passionately share the gospel. Um, here, go ahead and go two slides forward. So the, the school had a Bible week, because they were trying to market themselves to the area. And what was unique about this school was that it was a had a Christian ethos, meaning that it had all types of Christians there. Um, and they wanted to emphasize that, so they had a Bible week. And I said, this is great. Let us, let us help with that. And so with our church and ourselves, we were able to, uh, each year that we were there, that they did this, we were able to buy every child a Bible storybook that had the gospel in it and put a bookmark linking it back to our church and give it to every, every one of the children at the school. Then I was able to go in uh, four times, I think, the last, the last time we did this, that one week, and preach to the children, either in uh, formal chapel or in the individual classrooms, and really begin to share the gospel with each of them in the community. It was a great opportunity to, to share the gospel, and we were really excited about that, and we really enjoyed that while we were there. But we also evangelized, in the next slide, through the church. So we were... From the very beginning, about June of 2018, we joined uh, Salem Baptist Church. And I was the assistant pastor there up until December when we uh, stepped down. And we took part there and we met this lady, Agnes, and uh, her son, Batan. And Agnes was not a believer when we came. She was not a member of the church. She didn't really attend church. Uh, but her, her, her husband did, and then in May of 2019, he suddenly passed away. And she, from Bangladesh, um, she had no family in London. They had moved to London maybe 10 years before that. Um, no family in London, no, no real connections, but her had a special needs son that really needed the care of London, so she couldn't go anywhere. Uh, she w didn't really know our church, but the church really rallied around her during that time because uh, she was very needy, and she was hurting. And we were able to, to love on her and to help her, and we shared the gospel with her, and she became a believer. She's, she was gloriously saved, and she has joined the church, and she's really a, a pillar of the church now. And uh, Batan is part of our, uh, the, the youth club that we have there. And so we've had different opportunities like this to share the gospel. A lot of our discipleship, though, number two, intentional discipleship, has come in the form of working with uh, our youth. So you'll see here my, my daughter, Eloise, and her friend, Abby. 
Um, Abby, her parents are from Sri Lanka, and uh, she joined our Bible club when we started it. And our Bible club is very important to us. We have run it on Thursday nights, similar to, I think, what you guys do here, like in Awana, where we really try to help the young people understand uh, who God is and what God has done for them at a young age to help them to be rooted and grounded in the Word uh, at a young age, to have that solid foundation before they move forward to go into secondary school, because I'll share in a moment how difficult that is. So you'll see here, uh, we do different things with our Bible club. So there's Abby and, and Joanne, and my, my daughter's in the middle. So you can hit it again. And here's uh, one of the last Sundays that we were together, or Thursdays. We met on Thursday nights. And so we teach them through a catechism-style uh, curriculum where it's question and answer that they're learning the core doctrines of the of, of the church of the of the scriptures where question and answer so I ask them a question they have a memorized verse and a memorized answer to give and do they understand all of it not quite but they're getting there they ask some really big questions and they want to understand it and they're growing but as they grow as they are introduced to other th things throughout the world they have that foundation that is already there in, in their hearts and in their minds uh, that will, Lord willing, last for their entire lives. So that's is, we had about 12 to, or, or so. Not everyone is there on that, that Thursday. We would play games and we would do um, the Bible teaching and things. We also worked with some young men. So here is, uh, this is Payman and this is Majid. It was, I think, May of 2018. When we met them, we were there at visiting Salem at the time, and they wandered in, lost as can be. Not, you know, it, it was clear that they did not know what was going on. Uh, but they sat down and they participated in the service, and afterwards I, I talked to them, and I found out a little bit about them. They were both 15 at the time. They had both come to the UK completely by themselves, no family. Uh, they were refugees that were running from the Iranian government for a variety of reasons. And they were just looking for help. They were looking for, for a family. They were looking for somebody to, to talk to them, to feed them, to love them. And we really latched onto them. And they became part of our family for uh, a few years up until Majid moved away. But Majid is the one who has really been consistent with us. They both made professions of faith. And he is still in, he's, he's moved now to a Farsi-speaking church, because he's a little more comfortable there. Uh, but we work with him. He was texting me this morning, and we pray with him and, and continue our Bible studies and discipling him uh, every week. So that's Majid that we work with. A lot of our discipleship has come from our youth group, and this is run on Friday nights. This is Emmanuel. One of the young men in our youth group, the Lord really has his hand on Emmanuel, so pray for him. Um, I'm hoping that the Lord calls him into ministry because he is such a gentle heart and he has uh, really been a blessing in the youth group. So we have about, again, about 12 to 15. This is secondary school, so this is ages 12 and up that we have. And we get together on Friday nights and we play games and then we have times in, uh, in the Word together. And this is really important. This is really important for them. Because where we lived in West London, it was a majority Muslim area. And so these, these two young ladies here that are sitting beside each other, here and here, their school is like 80% Muslim. And when they go and they say to their 
their friends or whoever that I'm a Christian. It's a really brave step. It's a big step. And for them to, to sit in, in science class and say, I believe God created the world, or to, to take these stands, it's, it's, they need a lot of courage. And so they come with very big questions that they want answers to. And so this is a, a really important time for us in working with these young people on Friday nights. And so this was uh, our Friday night time, and then uh, you'll see the next slide. The highlight of our youth group was our going to camp each year. So you guys were talking about going to Wolf Mountain. This is where we went. We went to Wales. And uh, everything is inside tents here, these big marquee tents. Somebody said it looks like we were on the Bake Off. No, it's, it's not the Bake Off, but uh, it is inside a tent. So uh, sometimes it looks like that. The rest of the time it looks like this, where it's cold and rainy. And, uh, but the kids love it. It's so important for them because some of them, the first time we went, had never been outside of London. And so take them five hours away, way out into the countryside, get them out of their comfort zone, and have a week of Bible study and worship together and games and, and playing outdoor activities. It was the highlight of their year, and it really kicks off the year for us, uh, for our youth group. And getting them, everyone involved and everybody on the same page, wanting to come and gather together, wanting to come and hear, hear the Bible taught. So this is really important for us. You can see here we're eating outside one day. And then the next slide, this is my wife Danielle. We went this year as the cooks. So there's about 120 people that we were cooking for, and we were, she's making pancakes. I was a helper. She was definitely in charge for this stuff. So, and there's our group. Uh, we were up on top of a Welsh mountain there, and uh, had a great group that went this past year. Thirdly, then, is leadership development. Um, in March of this past year, we felt that the Lord was starting to burden our hearts to move on to another ministry. We loved our time here at Salem. We're so excited about what's going on at Salem, um, this church that we had been with for about five years. But we felt like th it was time for them to be able to hire their own assistant pastor and for us to go out and to plant a church or replant a church. So we began praying, really praying that the Lord would provide someone to step into the different responsibilities that we filled. And the Lord answered that prayer. You know, this was something that was on our prayer list, if, if you kept up with our updates, that we were asking God to send a man to really help, uh, or to take a man in the church to, to help him to boldly step into this responsibility. And he answered that request with this man here. His name is Tao. Tao is uh, in his early 30s. He became a believer about 10 years ago. He's a convert from Sikhism. His family is from Punjab, India. And... Uh, he is really wanting to help. And he, he came to me in August or September and said, Clay, I, I think that the Lord wants me to take over the youth group. And so we've been working with him, helping him develop his skills in leading this. So you see on the next slide, here he is again with uh, another man in our church, Daniel. And uh, so pray for Tal. He's been leading the youth group since the beginning of January. And so far, so good. And he's still excited about it. And he feels like the Lord has called him into ministry. And so we have been working with him. He's been preaching, you'll see on the next slide here, inside of our church. Uh, he's been preaching a, a few times over the past year, and I've been helping him with sermon prep and develop outlines and these kind of things. So that's Tal, and there's another picture of us all, uh, a fellowship at our, at our home, our second home, the second home that we lived in. And then the fourth step there is indigenous churches. So we partnered with Salem, and how we came to Salem, I, I'll tell you another time, 
is really sovereign work of the Lord. It's a miracle. Um, but this church is where we have worked with the past four and a half, five years, and we've worked alongside uh, Pastor Bill. You'll see in the next slide. Nope. This is still, there he is. Pastor Bill and Marie. So he is from Glasgow, and she's from England, and they have been at that church for about eight years. And um, he, they were praying for an assistant pastor when we moved to the UK, and we were praying for somewhere to go. And the Lord put us together. We, we lived just about 300 yards away from the church, just that we could walk to church. We didn't know it was there at the time. Uh, but we have been work. everything that I mentioned up until this point has been through this church. The youth group, the Bible club, the sharing Bibles at school, these kind of things. It has been connection with Salem Baptist Church. So you'll see a few other things that we do here. I don't know if you can make out what we're doing there. Yes, that's a Pinewood Derby. Um, that was a new thing for them. It's not something that they usually do over there, but we had a holiday Bible club. So we, the school system there is run like around the year. And so you have a break in October and a break in, in February and a break in May and then two weeks off for Christmas and Easter and then six weeks in the summertime. So you would have um, these weeks week off, like a fall break or something, when the, everyone was working, but the children were off school. So we would have vacation Bible schools, and this was one of them that we did. It was a great one. And they came in every day, and they worked on their car, Monday through Friday, and then on Saturday we had a cookout, and we were able to get all the children together, and all their parents came to watch the race, and we were able to share the gospel with them. And that was right before we started our Bible club, and it was just a, the Lord really used this ministry. So we did various things like this. So you see on the next slide that we are, uh, it's another Bible club, uh, vacation Bible school that we were doing. They were cooking that day. And on the next slide, we have been working with other uh, folks who are interested in missions. So this is a pastor friend of mine that came to visit. And the next slide you'll see as well, we had interns that came. There's a young lady named Abby who came and stayed the summer with us uh, this past summer for about two and a half months. And she just jumped in and helped in every avenue of ministry uh, that, that we did. Other things that we did was we had this. We had a little bit of deconstruction of our own. This is back in uh, April of 2020. We found out that um, it was like right over here in that back corner where a lady was sitting. Her, uh, her shoe went through the floor one, one day after the service. And we found out that there was uh, the, the subfloor, or this, this concrete here, was falling away from underneath. And we couldn't see it because it had like a vinyl top. And um, we found out that it was, we had to move out. And we had to rebuild from the, go all the way down to the earth, to the, to the dirt, and then come back up again. And so this process, the Lord really blessed this process amazingly. The, the church people gave and they funded it all themselves. And they did the majority of the work themselves. And I was able to be there to help lead through this construction process. And the Lord really uh, used it to unify the church. And uh, before we started to redraft our statement of faith that I was talking about in Sunday school. But a lot, a lot of what we did, what I do, is through the preaching and teaching of the word. And so every once a month at least, or twice a month, or sometimes eight weeks at a time, I would be leading the services on Sunday at this church uh, to, to continue the ministry of this church. Uh, and with pastoral care, visiting and loving the people. So this is a, a lovely lady, Glennis, 
uh, from Wales that had been in the church for many years that really we were attached to at our uh, our family was attached to. And so we have been at this church uh, for four and a half years, but as I mentioned, we felt that the Lord was moving us on, and I wanted to share a little bit about what he was moving us on. Oh, not yet, though. This is uh, just some pictures of, of the church that we worked in, a very diverse area. So you see the ladies from Bangladesh, from England, from Goa, from Tamil Nadu, and from Orissa, all different parts of the world, all different parts of, of India, um, and then the lady behind her is from Jamaica, uh, several from Africa. It's a very diverse area, just to give you an idea of, of the folks there. But our last Sunday was in December 18th, so just a little over a month ago, when we knew that the Lord was moving us on, and so we said goodbye, and we've come back here for a furlough before we share with you what is next. What we are still devoted to is this, this process that I mentioned, this Great Commission cycle, where we are going to be planting churches and uh, by evangelism, discipleship, leadership development, and then helping them come autonomous. And the Lord has really opened up a, a great door uh, for us. Uh, you see here, this is a little church on the other side of London, I'll show you, called Forest Hall. And uh, this church... Uh, the pastor there, there is a pastor, he has been praying for somebody to come and take over for about 10 years or so. He's been looking to retire, um, and the church has just gone through a really difficult time. There are now no people left. At, we've been there uh, for four Sundays, and there, have been, there are no members. There have been occasional attenders, but just one, and then there were two, and then there were one, and one. Not the same ones, though. Um, and so the church is kind of on its last leg. Um, and so you'll see here where it is. Let me show you the map here. So here is London. Hit, the, hit it again for me. Everything inside of this red circle is London. About 10 million people inside of there. Um, and we, were, we started over here. So hit it again. With this Salem Baptist Church. I have this thing. So yeah, we were here. And now the next church is on the other side of London, north, northeast London, uh, in Loughton, and it's called Forest Hall. You'll see on the next slide, uh, this is the Pastor Roland that has been faithfully serving there and preaching the gospel. COVID was really difficult for this church. They lost, uh, several people passed away, and that was kind of the last straw for them. So, but he is continuing to preach. Even though no one comes, he has it set up on Zoom where he preaches to a few people on Zoom um, until we get back at the end of April to take over from him. Uh, and we're really excited because the, the building is, is in excellent condition and it's right on the main street. There are probably, not exaggerating, about 10,000 people that walk by the building every day. Um, but there's a few things that we can change. It just says Forest Hall, so it doesn't have the word church in there so people don't know that it's a church. So we can add that to it, and there's no website or anything like that. So we plan on making some simple changes and then begin to preach the gospel there to see people brought in and added to this church. Um, you can see the inside of the church there. So it's, it's, the building is from the early 1900s, late 1800s, something like that. Interesting story, it came from Norway. It was flat pack, like Ikea. This is like a flat pack church that they brought in and they put together uh, over here in, in London. So just a few things as I finish up here. Prayer needs, 
Pray for us to have wisdom for evangelism. As I mentioned, there is no one at the church. Um, we, don't want, we don't have anyone to start with. And, you know, there, nobody means there's, a, there's no helpful people. There are no difficult people either. There's no one. And so how, how do we engage the community with the gospel? What methods do we use? Do we have Bible clubs like what we did before at the other church? Do we preach from the steps, which has been done before? Do we have uh, art, art classes that then share the gospel, which also has been done before? Or is there something else that we should do? You know, there are all these different things that we can do. Which one is it that the Lord wants us to pursue that we will have his blessing on? So pray for wisdom for that. Pray also for wisdom for uh, community engagement. We were very much part of the community in our first location uh, in Hayes and Uxbridge because of our connection to the school. When we left that area, we had to give up that connection. So how are we going to uh, be part of the community and be present in, in getting to know the, the shopkeepers and our neighbors and the folks around and building those relationships? You know, when you think about the, the people that, we, that come to know Christ, it is really through relationships that people have. It's not, it's not some stranger knocking on the door. That doesn't happen very often anymore. It's through a friend. It's through a co-worker. It's through a family member that loves them enough to speak the truth to them and share the gospel with them. And so how do we build those relationships? Because it's going to take time. It's not that we're just going to open the doors and then suddenly people will start walking in. We have to get to know the, everyone in the community. And they have to, we have to build that trust where they want to hear the where they trust us in what we're saying when we share the gospel with them. Um, so how do we do that? Pray for wisdom for that. Pray for direction for permanent housing. We have been bouncing around a little bit, and we're praying that the Lord will allow us to settle somewhere. Pray for also health and safety while we travel. Uh, we are healthy today. Thank you, Lord. We're healthy today, and all of our families here, but that hasn't always been the, the case uh, in our travels so far. So pray while we travel from now through the end of April that the Lord will give us safety and health while we travel. And uh, provision for London. Um, London is expensive, and we are asking the Lord to provide for our needs. And then I think the next slide, I just want to pause here for a moment as we wrap up. Um, Matthew chapter 9, passage that the Lord has used in my own heart many times. I just want to encourage you with this. In Matthew chapter 9 and verse let's see, 35, that, yeah, 36 and 35, I'll start in 35 here. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. You know, there's, that's uh, so indicative of our day. Here in California, you could say the same thing. You look out, and you see the people that are hurting, that are without a shepherd, that are looking for some type of satisfaction and hope, and look in all the wrong places for it. Look in relationships, look in substances, look in hobbies, look in jobs, Look in some type of power or prestige, looking for something that will satisfy their soul, and they can't find it. They want it. But it is beyond them because it is only found in our Savior. 
So Jesus looks out at them, and he is moved with compassion. That burden is stirred in his heart. He feels it physically, that burden for the people. Because he knows their struggles. He feels those struggles. And as Jesus is our example, we should have this burden, and we should have this this feeling of compassion as well. And what does he do? He says in verse 37, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So Jesus looks out on the crowds of people that he was ministering to, and he is moved to compassion because of their lostness, because of their, their need of a Savior. And he directs his disciples to that there needs, look at the harvest, that the harvest is so huge. What we really need is more laborers to go in and share the good news in the harvest. And that is true of London. That is true of, I'm sure here, California as well. I know, uh, I was talking to one pastor who said here in California, he knows of 14 churches right now that are in, in our circles that are looking for pastors. There's a great need for laborers to go into the harvest. There's a great need for that in the UK, in London. I know of several churches. We had several offers to come to little churches that had a few people that were looking for a pastor. And we chose to go to the one where they had nothing because the Lord had, has, has uh, allowed us to have that support where we could go where there was nothing. But there are many other places that need men to come and to share the gospel. There needs to be more laborers. And so what do we see our Savior direct the disciples as he encounters the same thing? As he looks out and says, oh, that there were more people to share the gospel. He directs them to pray in verse 38. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. He tells the disciples to pray, to, to get down on their knees and to ask the Lord to send laborers into the harvest. And what happens as we do that? As you spend time praying for laborers, you know what the Lord does? The Lord reshapes your heart. The Lord aligns your heart with His and, and gives you a burden for these people. And you might be the laborer that you are praying for. You might be the one that the Lord is actually sending to go and to, to reach these sheep that are lost and are in need of a Savior. This is what we need in, in the UK. This is what we need in, in missions today. This is what we need in our country, in the U.S. We need more laborers to go. So let us be faithful in praying that the Lord would send forth laborers into the harvest. Because our Savior is worthy of their worship. And our Savior, Jesus, is the only thing that can satisfy them. As, they, as people look around in all sorts of other things, it's only Jesus that is enough. 